this thing hello listeners and happy new year happy, happy new, new year. year welcome to chewing the scenery horror movie podcast um this is a podcast about horror movies and uh, we are not professional critics we're just as jolian very concisely put it three friends in a shed at the bottom of a garden talking about horror movies uh beyond that um i feel like we know a lot about them we like them a lot and we're your first choice in podcasts. Hopefully. Or at least a... <laughs> if got any sense. Yeah, at least second or third, if anything. Why did Dracula rearrange his furniture? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> he was doing a bit of fang shui. Oh, fang shui. <laughs> <laughs> Whose dad wrote that joke? Is that a Christmas yeah, cracker? This is Christmas cracker jokes. I brought along with me for your pleasure. Are, those... uh, are they horror related? Uh, that one was... It, it was horrible. It was horrible, <laughs> indeed. I, that was the only one. That was the only horrible one? No. That was the only, yeah. Vaguely horrible. I think related. they're all horrible. <clears throat> they can't not be. Where does Santa work out? Uh, um, 
on, on the North Pole. It's like, you know, one of those pole dancing workouts, right? Oh. Down, down the chimney. Down the chimney. <laughs> oh, God. Whose dad wrote that one? I shall save some more for later. Yes. We should definitely get to, to the rest of those. <laughs> Before I forget to say this, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Um, I'm sure I introed this. I'm, I'm going forward in time in my mind. I'm sure I introed this with uh, Goblin. And goblin Christmas. Yes, it's a Goblin you Christmas. The goblin Christmas special. Yep. It's aired one time in 1979. <laughs> it's much rumored and no one's ever really, you know, gotten a recording of it. That was true with that stupid Star Wars uh, oh, thing, man. but then it started to uh, circulate. Like, there were some people who were like, no, I recorded it. I have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because very few people had a VCR in those days. Oh, man. No. It was like $900 or $1,200 for a VCR. Yeah. And they didn't record over that tape after. I mean, even if you had a VCR and you recorded that, what nut case kept it? <laughs> Right, because it was so bad. It was so bad that you were like, oh, I'm recording over that because tapes aren't free yet. Right. You know, cheap enough or whatever. Um, My friend had a beta copy tape of uh, the last episode of MASH with all the commercials. Oh, man. (laughs) We watched that once in a while. It was fun with the commercials that were so out of date. But oh, you go, God. oh, man, I remember that. Like Shasta commercials, mm-hmm. stuff like that. <laughs> oh, there's so there's so many things that people had to have in its time. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we all do well to steal Jolien's idea to watch something awesome as the first thing we watch in the new year. For anyone who has taken that idea and ripped it off and made it their own, <laughs> oh, please. good on you for doing it. Uh, I know my nephew... Send a nickel. Right. Jolien. <laughs> yes. <laughs> More money than I make a week. I know my nephew Johnny has uh, gotten his steelbook of... Uh, I assume he got the steelbook of um, Suspiria. He didn't. He's a fool. Right. Because this thing is awesome. Yeah. Um, I think he was saving it for New Year's Day to kick it off um, mm. per, per your uh, way of doing things. We're watching it tonight, even though I watched it yesterday. Oh, man. Or not day, yesterday, day before. day before yesterday, Friday. Right. Yeah, I might, might watch Deep Red again. Because I wasn't hey. going to watch all of it, and I put it in. I was only going <laughs> to compare it. Oh, man. Yeah. And I was like, ah. Uh, <laughs> it's so Suspiria. It's so weird. I was like, oh, it's it's already over. I've, I've sat and watched the whole thing just dazed. Yeah. It, it is stunning. Um, so we're recording on New Year's Eve 2017, right this moment. A little bit of snow falling mm-hmm. here in Denver. And uh, I couldn't be more excited than to have gotten this thing early <laughs> enough because they were talking about it was going to drop around New Year's. And uh, yeah, know, It must be the second printing or something that's a, yeah you can order now, which is like $70. Is it? Yeah. Wow. It was more than that. It was like... 80-something. Yeah, mm. I, I paid about 60 for this, yeah. and, and I didn't even hesitate. As soon as I saw it was available, I was mm-hmm. like, click by now. And uh, it, I knew this was one of the most important horror movies I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and it was going to be restored to such glory that how would I not? And uh, here it is, and the Night of Living Dead will be in February, mm-hmm. so that's going to be another show for us to do. Yeah. And having said that, before we get too far... 
uh, should we talk about what we've watched or have we? What have you watched? I've watched one movie that I can remember. And then, okay, I watched a couple episodes of Ash versus the Evil Dead. Okay. Season two? Season one. Season one still? Yeah, it, it just dropped on Netflix. Oh, okay. I had already seen the first episode, so I watched episodes two and three. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm going to do that over the next few days, I think, you know, get through it. Um, get through it. Get through it. <laughs> I will get through it. <laughs> One way or another, man. I will get through it. We're going to get some jerky and some hard tack and we're going to get, you know, saddled up and get through it. Uh, I also uh, was watching, I think I talked about this last time I watched that movie, that uh, series Dark. Yes. The, the German, German. one. Finish that out. Were you able to adjust the subtitles? Um, I don't think dubbing. I, I don't think I bothered. Oh, okay. I've I already gotten that far with it, and it just was like, you know, just go with the way it's been. Um, but the one movie I did watch for sure that I can think of, Voyeur. Um, mm. I, I think it's Voyeur something something, blah blah blah. <laughs> on netflix <laughs> maybe there's maybe there's more who to the titles title. <laughs> this shit <laughs> well the guy who wrote thy neighbor's wife uh gay tellies yeah um he had been in touch with this guy for quite a long time and this guy had contacted him saying hey you wrote this book that was all about you know americans and their way they engage in different sexual behaviors and and the author had actually gone into America's like, love affair with kink, basically of uh, swingers and whatnot. So this guy had lived the lifestyle for a while. Right? Or he at least wrote about it. Well, he, he lived the lifestyle to write about it, a nonfiction book, which this was the first I heard that it was nonfiction. I always assumed it was a fiction book because <laughs> I saw this thing around all the time when I was young. And it's classified in literature. So take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you will. Will you know. knows about books. Uh, will used to sell them. Um, so this guy, uh, in communication with this voyeur dude, uh, they finally started talking about should we write a nonfiction book and you know work together on it. And this documentary is about this guy. And your first assumption is, oh, he's just going to be a straight up creep through and through. And it's like, yeah, you can't be that kind of voyeur without being a little creepy by most people's definition. But it's about a guy who, uh, and I can't say Denver because it's just into the border of Aurora. Yeah, don't put that on us. Yeah, <laughs> That's so, all Aurora's problem. Yeah. So in Aurora, Colorado, where all the creepy shit happens, this guy bought a, a motel in the late that 60s. It doesn't mean move to Denver either. It's not an endorsement of Denver. <laughs> <laughs> so... So this guy bought this uh, motel uh, called the Manor House, and he bought it because it had this sort of uh, more pitched roof line. And his idea was to go up into the sort of tall attic area and put Peep. put a a uh, a louvered vent in the ceiling above the bed in every room, so he could just walk down the path and then look through them. And if he saw some action happening, he could just lean down and have a look. And he, mm-hmm. he constructed it very carefully so he wouldn't be seen or heard. And he did this for a long time. Yeah. So uh, he still had the place when he was in touch with the author, Gay Talies, and uh, actually invited him up there to have a look. It's like, so here's how you can do it. Just walk down the row. And uh, there's a lot to this story, and I don't want to get into it, but... If you like documentaries, 
you know, you can watch this one and you really... can watch this one. <laughs> you sure could. <laughs> you will be entertained. You will be appalled. You will be uh, maybe surprised at yourself mm. for not being more appalled. <laughs> so, oh man, I, I read the article and it was in the New Yorker, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was, uh, and there was some controversy about some of the facts because. Mm-hmm. Talis is very serious about everything being very factual. And um, there was some stuff that got missed or was recorded improperly by the voyeur himself. And so it kind of delegitimizes a lot of the story to just say, well, we if that's not true, we don't know what is true. So maybe, maybe we don't know anything. So that being said, it was, um, it was really entertaining. I enjoyed it watching this thing that I should have been more appalled at. Uh, do, you want, do you want me to read one of these? Sure. Um, in the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, my true love brought to me nine what? This is, this is a quiz. Oh, yeah. it's trivia. It's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> nine ladies dancing is the answer to that one. Mm. Nine? I mean, geez, really? Nine? That's a lot. What did Cinderella say when her photos didn't arrive on time? Uh, I don't know what. Holiday Inn. Oh, wait, I think I read the wrong one. <laughs> this is going to be like in the Breakfast Club. We're never going to give you the, you know, the punchline. It will never give you the punchline because it's not funny. That makes it... Holiday Inn was a funnier punchline than one day my prince will come. Oh, boo. See? I should have just stuck with Holiday Inn. I still have that bleep sound effect saved. I could just bleep that out. <laughs> or put in the sound of Bender falling through the ceiling in Breakfast Club. <laughs> so, that's what I've watched. Uh, Will, do you want to go next? Uh, what have I watched? Did I mention that we are your hosts? I'm Richard, this is Will, and that's Hello. Julian. Kind of. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> so did we thank the moon race yet? We did. Okay. Yeah, we thanked them. And we explained we're not professional. I think, I think, yeah. I think that comes across. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what have I watched this week? Um, I watched some Unsolved Mysteries. <clears throat> I finally got to see the Oakville Blobs. Oh, yes! In season nine. Gelatinous goo. Yes. <laughs> uh did you just die laughing when you heard him say gelatinous goo? Gelatinous goo was good. There was another line in there that was really good about cleaning up the gelatinous goo. I don't remember how. <laughs> or as I call it, college. <laughs> uh, no, that was high school. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I think that's all I watched other than it's just, uh, last night we watched uh, Carnival of Salts. Oh man, yes. The Criterion Collection full on looks beautiful. Restoration, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Made by the Centron people. Oh wait, real quick, I forgot to mention because we talked about it over dinner the other night. We all went out for my late birthday. Uh The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yes. I watched that. And you said it was Bizarre. Bizarre. I have to watch it. It sounds so interesting. Yeah, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but and I'll make it quick. Basically, if you had a bunch of people who were pretty autistic um, cast in a movie, or you you wrote the movie that everybody in the movie is autistic, uh, 
that's what this feels like. Like no one cracks a smile or makes a joke. There's no levity. Everybody's very serious and they say things that are just inappropriate. I don't mean inappropriate, like say something awful, but they would say things that just don't fit. Yeah. And that's the whole movie. And then there's a, there's a weird thing that you're trying to figure out. Is it magical causality or is this kid doing something awful? But it's not really horror, but it's not really not. It's kind of psychological horror. So there, I talked about it. Uh, if you want to see something really strange, watch that one. It it should have your attention and you should be feeling like you're seeing something special and something really different when you watch the movie. So uh, some people might get pissed off at it and I can't be responsible for that. I think most people who like what we like will enjoy it. So there, said that. Hopefully that was condensed enough. So, uh, for Christmas, we watched Gremlins. Awesome. So I haven't seen Gremlins in a long time. They still look really good you know that's got phoebe cates in it yes there's one key scene from fast times at ridgemont high if you cut that into gremlins gremlins would be the perfect movie (laughs) yeah yeah if you get the rights to moving in stereo by the cars i forgot that gremlins uh was obviously shot in the summer (laughs) because all the trees are just flocked with fake snow but they're green, green underneath, and everybody looks like they're about ready to die. With their Christmas sweaters. <laughs> With their Christmas sweaters somewhere in California, wherever they filmed. Oh, my God, uh, yeah. Back to the Future. Right. Whatever that fake town square is. Or I, maybe it's a real town square. No, it's on the Universal lot or, whatever, or whatever studio, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, you could still go there and see it. Yeah, it's a thing. So, um else did i watch should really write these down i don't remember much else other than carnival of lost souls was great uh eugenia had never seen it before so well it's definitely worth a look for anyone who hasn't seen it and a relook for anyone who has because that one's in public domain so Mm. there's a lot of bad copies of it out there and and your buddy dana gold is yeah dana gold's in the in the extras and i didn't know that yeah i'll pass it along yeah to you yeah then we'll get it back to julian eventually (laughs) He'll get it back someday. Yeah. <laughs> Looking as battered as it used to. Yes. <laughs> well, we were, we were talking in the car how Dana Gould likes exactly the same stuff that we like. Copier. <laughs> yeah. All right. Was that it? Uh, I think so. Julian? So he, he obviously listens to this show, so hi. Yeah. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Dana. Um, yeah. What have you watched? Uh, well, I, I always send out a list of wants for uh, Christmas to anyone who's interested in buying me stuff. Right. So I, this is my stash I got this year. Uh, the Handmaiden, mm. which is the Korean oh, okay. thriller. Wonderful. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years. Uh, Portrait of Jenny, which is a romantic fantasy from the 40s. Oh, I've never heard of it. Beautiful looking, kind of weird film. Uh, Fellini's uh, Voice of the Moon is his last film. Ooh. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, it's from, uh, came out, Blu-ray from Arrow last year. And Philadelphia Story. Oh, okay. Uh, from Criterion. Holy wow. Nice. So watch those. Um, okay. I watched uh, The Villainess from 2017. So from this year. Wow. Just. Ooh. Uh, this is directed by Jung Byung Gil. Uh, stars Kim Ok Bin. It's one of those stories about uh, uh, someone who's raised in, as part of an assassin mm-hmm. covert Story team who like <laughs> breaks away from it. Uh-huh. Because... Of, you know, romantic reasons or whatever. 
So you've seen the the plot is really familiar, which is like its biggest weakness. But it's really well done, and it's got cool action scenes, and she can do it all. You know, she yeah. she knows like several martial arts, and uh, is is a sword fight on the back of motorbikes, which is pretty cool. Wow! Um, and there's some interesting uh, the way they do uh, transitions. Some of the match move transitions, they're like, um, you know, when when uh, the camera moves across something, in and then it cuts to the next scene, and the camera's doing the same mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one takes it further where. Uh, there's a must be digitally enhanced, but they you see feet walking down a street, and then it will cut to feet walking somewhere else, and it just looks like it's the same movement. Oh, on. nice! Uh, yeah, they do that several times. Um, but as I say, a very familiar story. Um, and uh, always watch a bit of Laurel and Hardy around Christmas. We watched uh, Chickens Come Home and Our Wife. Um, uh, they're they're always great. I love them. Yeah. Uh, we always watch The Snowman from 1982, the animated mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Short. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, you loaned that to me years ago. Yeah, I love that. It's got one of the great gut punches in, <laughs> in, in film. Uh, Black <clears throat> Christmas, watched that on Blu-ray for the first time. Which is mm. Awesome. So we watched this on Christmas Eve. So it was you know, the right time to watch it. Right. And uh, it, it was really creepy. It was more creepy than I remember it ever being before. Maybe it was on the the, the uh, visuals are much better and the sound is Ooh. really good. Like that, you can watch it in the original mono. The stereo one is really good as well. Oh, neat. Uh, yeah, because so much of it is in the sound. Yeah. Um, but it really is kind of a weird day. Um, I, I got up uh, pretty early, so Sunday morning. And uh, it had been snowing um, because, you know, Denver's a hellhole. Yeah. Snowing. Yeah. Um, Ice. Yeti. Yeah. Weasels. Bedbugs. Ice weasels. Um, Ice bedbugs. So I I was just uh, putting on my boots (laughs) to go out and clear the, you know, along our street. And uh, and then this face appears, you know, behind the the door curtain window thing. And uh, and he's just banging on the door really loud. What the? So I open the door and there's this guy standing there with a shovel and he's like offering to clear oh. your part of the, the walk, yeah. path for five bucks. And I said, like, don't worry, dude, I'll take care of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I always clear like several houses either way, either direction because like, why let it be icy for everyone, you know. You're, yeah. bad, you're bad for business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I didn't tell him that. I just said, well, thanks, I'll take care of it. Happy Christmas. Um, hit the bricks rummy so that's how the day started and then and then when I'd finished clearing the snow I looked down the corner of the street and there was like emergency vehicles in the corner for oh, some neighbours had a heart attack or something yeah and then that happened again a couple of hours later to someone who's just two doors away from us hmm they were taken away in a your you know, neighbourhood fire engines and ambulances and she was taken away for a while uh, not seen her since and I, I only saw her that morning because she, like, she stuck her head out the door to say thanks for clearing my oh, path. Okay. And like, oh, oh, wow. And I said, you know, okay. And she, she seemed okay. And then, huh. Mm-hmm. But hasn't been seen since? <laughs> yeah, I've not seen her since. Oh. And her partner turned up uh, like a few days later. But, and, and then and later that day, we, we, like, uh, we went out for some reason and there was this uh, friend of theirs looking really distraught, like, Banging on the door, and we said, "Look, uh, sorry, we saw her oh. taken away." And 
Yeah. So it's kind of a disturbing day, and then we watched Black Christmas at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it was really creepy. Um, anyway, uh, I got the uh, Blu-ray set of the Sinbad trilogy from Powerhouse Films in the UK, which is a limited edition, mm-hmm. uh, and it's gorgeous. It's just a really nice image, and it's and they're stuffed with features, including the like the original promotional song. <laughs> <laughs> for us, which is called uh, Sinbad may have been bad but he was he sure was good to me <laughs> wow. it was like a single they sent out you know as prizes at certain theatres uh, but yeah it's, it's really good looking and uh, I noticed the assistant director this is like filmed in Spain the assistant mm-hmm. director was Eugenio Martin who did uh, he directed Horror Express oh um, and this one's directed by Nathan Duran uh, you've seen this one right the, Oh yeah. So before just in there with the skeleton and oh, the cyclops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I gave Emily uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me on Blu-ray from Criterion for Christmas because <laughs> nothing says Christmas like like, like David, David Lynch, Lynch. Like good old Bob. Um, yeah. Uh, have you seen this one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw it. Oh yeah. Ages ago, like back when it first came out. Uh huh. And I didn't like it, and and that was when like. A lot of people, including me, were kind of going off Lynch. Yeah. Uh, like the the second season of Twin Peaks is. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, we kind of were getting tired. Of it. it seemed to be a kind of shtick. It, mm-hmm. That got out of his hands and into other people's, didn't it? Yeah, he left. Yeah, yeah. he he was working on Wild at Heart as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so you're kind of going off him, and then I didn't come back to him. Like I didn't, I wasn't that keen on Lost Highway, and then, like. Quite a while later, I watched uh, Mulholland Drive, and I yeah. thought, "Wow, this is great!" Yeah. So uh, yeah, so we watched Twin Peaks Far with What with Me, and it's it's really extraordinary, mm-hmm. oh, amazing see, looking. I I remember watching it, and really liking it, mm-hmm. despite not liking the second season of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, I really liked Lost Highway. Mm-hmm. Um, I rewatched Firewalk with Me a couple years ago, and could not stand it. <laughs> I felt that it was just terrible, and I felt like, do I not get David Lynch? Why? Mm-hmm. What? Do I need to watch something else. Yeah. Um. So that's funny. I have to rewatch <laughs> it at some point because it just seemed like a lot of nonsense at the end of Flora Palmer screaming or Bob making goofy faces mm-hmm. at the camera, and it just, ah, <laughs> uh, was. Bob could not be more creepy looking the first couple times you see him. Yes. Holy wow. That's the face in the window you don't want to see. Right. <laughs> Man. Even if he only charges $5 to shovel the wall. <laughs> yeah, you, you, David Lynch tells a story about how he, he uh, recruited him for the role. He, wasn't was he like a, a crew member? Yeah, he was, he, was like, he, he was like a moving scenery and stuff like that. He was Frank Silver. Mm-hmm. And, and he was uh, leering from beyond a fake tree. Yeah, they were moving <laughs> furniture out from uh, Laura's bedroom oh. for this scene, and and he, uh, for some reason, like some of the furniture got wedged against the door, and he was still in the room, and so they had to get him out, and 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 so so David Lynch took a look at him, and he said, "Do you want to be in a movie?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I? That's what's great about David Lynch is he'll you know add something to a film like that. He's mm-hmm. not. Oh yeah, like you the, know, totally set. Yeah, it just it just feels right to him. And uh-huh. The, yeah. The flickering fluorescent lights. That's one of those things that was happening 
And he said, I like that. So mm-hmm. he started um, manually flickering a light switch to make it happen for some scenes. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <clears throat> uh, and then I watched uh, Unholy Rollers. Unholy which, Rollers. It's a Roger Corman uh, roller derby film. Oh, wow. okay, yeah. Uh, and this one stars Claudia Jennings. Uh, all roller derby films are entertaining. Yeah, sure they are. There's not a bad one. No, this one's a. It's the same plot as Kansas City Bomber, where she is like the rise of this you know, new recruit to this roller derby team. Yeah, has anyone ever figured out roller derby, like what the point of the game is, or how people score? Or I have a vague the idea. Rules, <laughs> I guess she's, I'm saying. So she's she becomes the the blocker, like the yeah, and uh, so she goes around the track, and then the opposing team get in front of her and and for every one of them that she gets past she gets points oh okay but and then they stage all these like skirmishes and things where the audience what does a pivot do do? i I guess she's uh she's someone who can turn around and 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 the jammer what does the jammer do (laughs) (laughs) see i know these names too and i have no idea what they do you know why do we know these names roller derby was like the Briefest fad, and yet I know the names of the positions. We, we still Why? Have an arena here, I think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, they still do roller derby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a couple of friends who do it. Yeah, but it's it's a weird relic from the past. That why would why would it's like if I knew and I probably do know CB lingo or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some crap from the seventies or eighties that you remember. Oh yeah, they were doing roller derby on TV when I was a little kid. <laughs> Yeah, it was on some like UHF channel in Chicago. <laughs> oh, I imagine, yeah. Yeah, it was a it was late sixties into early seventies. I'm pretty sure. And uh, yeah, I was little. I remember Watergate being on the news a lot, uh, and uh, and uh, the original Sven Gulli and uh, roller derby. He was he was involved in Watergate, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. <laughs> yeah, Nixon was uh, messing around with some uh, roller. Nixon was a jammer. <laughs> Yeah. Who's rising up through the ranks? <laughs> Sven Gulli was a blocker. My grasp on history. <laughs> it matters as much, I'm sure. Uh, what else? Did you All right, see? Uh, a cure for wellness. A cure how, for wellness. How was that? Uh, have you heard of this? I've heard of it's it. It's a Gore Verbinski film that like came and went. In the early months of of this year, yeah. Oh no! Uh, it's it's really long. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's only actually like two and a half hours, but it feels long. Mm-hmm. Um, two and, and a half hours is too long. Yeah, it's got Dane DeHaan from Valerian is the oh, okay lead in it, and he's this like uh, like a Wall Street firm, and he's sent to this clinic in uh, the Swiss Alps. Uh, to uh, bring back one of their senior partners so that the firm can then uh, blame that senior partner for some uh, shady dealings they've been doing. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, but it takes some twists from there. Um, so he, he ends up at this clinic and he can't leave. So it, it reminds you a lot of The, the Prisoner. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least, at least it did me. Um, you've got this like idyllic old castle up in the mountains and uh, really beautiful scenery and uh, and you know whatever he does to try and get out he can't and oh. can't quite make it and there's something going on at the clinic which anyone who's ever seen a 
movie about mysterious going on clinical the clinic, or society we can figure out pretty much um so it's kind of like uh, shutter island it goes on way too long for such a familiar plot oh. twist um but it's got mia goth in it and jason isaacs uh and it's got a really nice uh, gothic horror climax and oh. uh, so it's got some really striking images mm. but uh, yeah if it was 90 minutes long do you think it'd be better oh definitely yeah all right or, or even as like a, a sh- you know, a brief mini series, yeah. like three part or something. So okay. Could, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, and we, uh, Emily went to see three, three billboards. Oh. Did she like it? Yeah. Uh, so this is looks m- good. Directed by Martin McDonough, who did uh, In Bruges. Right. Oh, okay. Which is a good one. And uh, this has got Frances McDormand and Woody Harrelson in it. And this is about the this woman whose whose daughter is murdered and in this small town and uh and nothing's you know the case is just being dropped really yeah uh and so she puts up these billboards you know why hasn't anything been done and then right uh emily said uh, uh you watch the impact metabolize throughout the community that's a good way to put it <laughs> yeah i like that <laughs> what <laughs> i bet professional po- podcasts come out with phrases like that yeah that, that's that, that's professional criticism there do you want do you want us to put that in the in the, in the wreath <laughs> yeah i think so yeah uh and then we we both uh on friday we went to see um star wars the last jedi mm. how'd you like it uh directed by ryan johnson who did looper which is uh yeah. Have you seen that one? Pretty fun. It, no. And I think he did some uh, like Breaking time, Bad. Time too. travel Brick. assassination film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Brick. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of the better sequels. All right. Uh, it's got a real Yoda in it. It's like yeah, not that a puppet. CG toad. It's like a real, it's Frank Oz doing the puppet. Yeah. Oh, nice. I was, I was delighted to see that. Maybe I shouldn't have said that because he turns up pretty late. Oh. Spoiler alert, retroactive. <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean it's very spectacular and yeah goes on it that, that felt like a long movie as well <laughs> this is like two and a half and hours oh yeah people have lost their ability to tell a story in a, in a very concise I, I, way i don't mind a long movie you know some you know i've seen way longer films than that sure which, oh, which really uh you know occupied the time well but this How one long i think is Lawrence of Arabia. I mean, it's long film. Oh, sure, yeah. 17 but hours, I think. Totally, every minute's mm-hmm. totally worth it. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's nothing in that movie that feels like bloat. Right. At least, you know, when I, uh, it's been a number of years since I've seen it, but I, even as, you know, a young man watching it, it's like, that movie's, you know, great. And then you watch some, and now you're like, two and a half hours shouldn't be too long for a movie, but. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, where's the editor? <laughs> yeah, like Emily got up for a bathroom break about halfway in. and she Never came, came she back. Came back. <laughs> she came back uh, you know, a while later and, and uh, I just had to whisper one line and she was caught up on what was going on. And then I... I Star Wars. Yeah. That was the yeah, one like, line. Right. Yeah, all we had to do was lean over and go, pew, pew, pew. Yes. Um, yeah, and then... Like they they get to this planet near the end and and uh, I got up I had to go to the bathroom couldn't couldn't wait any longer and I came back and I was just didn't even bother filling me in yeah, and you'd missed nothing <laughs> it's just like, okay. um, yeah that seems to be a common I heard the pacing was odd in it it is it is a bit odd because it uh, you go between the uh, various 
the you have the people who are out in space. There's the uh, there's this rebel, the 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 mothership, which is going on this really slow chase. Yeah. With the uh, the imperial cruisers. Yeah. Where they're just staying out of range. So there's like, kind of this really really slow chase, and then uh, and then there's other people like whizzing around doing uh, you know trying to find you know, various things in order to do something else in order to do something else, um, and uh, and then that's intercut with uh, uh, the the woman from the the hero from the first movie tracking down uh, Luke Skywalker on his island yeah. off of Ireland and uh, uh, trying to learn how to be a jedi and stuff like that so uh but i this we went to the this this theater downtown always projects things too brightly oh no so a lot of the scenes like uh, in space or on this island when it's at night it's hard to tell what's going on so uh, the black is all blown out yeah it's, it's this kind of gray mass so oh, uh, i'll have to you know check it out again someday at home but uh yeah, it was quite entertaining uh yeah so that was it well, not to keep the recently watched going on longer, but uh, I did have my memory jarred uh, twice somehow um, while we were talking. And uh, I did put on the uh, the Captain Picard uh, A Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. Uh, Make it so. Yes, I made it so. And it was awesome to watch it again. That's a line again. he used, right? Yes, he's like, spirit, <laughs> what is this thing you're showing me? <laughs> And so, um, too late. Yeah, Jonathan already seen it. Jonathan Frakes should have been the the ghost of Christmas present <laughs> because you know he's got that robe with the chest open and a big beard and ho ho ho. You know that would have been great for Jonathan Frakes to show up. Would but you he, have had other characters like Data be the ghost of Christmas future? Or that would have been good. Something. Yeah, I would watch that. He um, ha- he can only appear on the screen if he's with the other seven people from that show. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the poor bastard. If they could stick Whoopi Goldberg in there too, you know, somewhere like maybe once in a while. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's his sister from the flashback scenes. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Wolf is Tiny Tim. Yeah, Wolf is Tiny Tim. It's a it's a good reminder when you watch a Christmas Carol, whatever version it's of it you watch. It's a Star Trek Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah. It's a good it's a good reminder of the fact Star Trek Generations. Yeah, TNG. Next Generation Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah TNG for short. Yeah. Um, so that was, it's so worth a watch. That's a good version of it. Mm-hmm. It, it looks pretty period accurate. Um, the thing looks good. It, it It's well acted. Um, I want one set in the future now that you said period piece, you know. <laughs> I want a period piece like set in like 2079. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol 2099. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Christmas past looks like now, but <laughs> uh huh, he has to get a DeLorean for Christmas and yeah, uh, something. Yeah, you gotta love time travel, and then Bright, the one with uh, Will Smith. Will Smith and, and a bunch and of an orcs. Orc? <laughs> yeah, how is that? That looked like garbage. Um, it's actually better than you'd expect, and uh, and I'm not uh, expecting much. <laughs> well, the sound bar and the subwoofer. Really make it to where you want to sh- you want to pause it or shut it off and go look and see is there someone parked in front of your house with a, a booming stereo system? Nice. <laughs> it's like is that the movie? I can't tell. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's. It's. I don't want to go into too much about it, but it's worth a look. I think it's it's fun. It's not it's not meant to be like serious cinema. 
It's just goofy. Um, with that, hey, we're only almost 40 minutes into the podcast. So you're so saying we, we there's probably well... <laughs> not going to be a Criterion collection of Bright? <laughs> They'll wait 20 years and then it'll be, oh, it'll man. seem important. It'll <laughs> seem important. That's in Laurel Leaves right there. Seems important. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really do want to Max make... Landis's bright seems important. <laughs> he did a nice job. I got to hand it to him. You know, it's it, what's great about it is there's we couldn't figure out what he was. Right. Because we just watched the little trailer on Netflix and it uh-huh. came up with no dialogue. It's just their generic music they play. Right. Which sometimes seems to happen. Sometimes de- the dialogue seems to play. Yeah, you just don't know why. I don't understand. But we were like, what is he? Is he a mutant? <laughs> is he a demon? Is this Alien Nation all elf? over again? <laughs> exactly. This is Alien Nation with a blue guy. Yeah. Instead of yeah, the bald, like yeah. spotty heads that yeah. were... Yeah. Well, there's the great thing I think you'll appreciate, and I don't believe this to be a spoiler, there's no exposition at all. Oh, that's always good. It's just like, this is how shit is. Go. I prefer that. <laughs> Which is great. It's, you, know, you don't have to have people like, uh, you know, scratching their chin going, you know, it was different before these guys showed up. <laughs> you know? so, so it's got that in common with Suspiria. Right. Yes. It drops you in. It just drops you into the story. And that's a good segue to talk Thank about <laughs> Suspiria. Crowbar. How about this? This this 4K. Okay, 4K. Let's let's define that for anyone who's listening who doesn't know. That means That's one above 3K. It is. It's a thousand above 3K. Um it's four thousand lines of resolution per inch. Holy crap. We were all a bunch of drooling morons watching 72 lines per inch for many years. And then we evolved. And here we are watching the 4K restoration. Um, beautiful movie. Yeah. Suspiria. Very important, pivotal movie in your, in your becoming a really good horror fan. You know, you, you've watched what you've watched. And you're just a knucklehead until you've seen Suspiria. And then you, <laughs> yeah. and then you make this quantum leap into understanding how different things can be. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's <laughs> how color and sound and <laughs> composition and everything can make a film. Yeah, Siri, what is color? How do it work? Yeah, watch Suspiria, dumbass. I think is what uh, she would say to you. And when it comes to horror movies, like <clears throat> the less plot. You can get away with the less oh, rationality man, I love, you can get you away watch, with. Did you watch the, the little featurettes? No, I didn't have time. I only, I only finished watching this thing an hour ago. Uh, one, they're not. You didn't miss anything, to be honest. I didn't watch all of them, but the first one I watched was pretty fluffy. But they make some point in there. They're like, "There's almost no plot. There's very little character. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, most horror movies make you want." To care about the characters but this is just yeah, throws you in with right. it and then weird stuff's happening yeah all you need to know is that this american woman is a ballet practitioner student whatever who's going to this academy where it's like furthering ed- education for ballet people mm-hmm. okay so it's a uh, dance school in germany yeah that's all you need to know the, the tanz academy yeah the tanz used to be a an an occult school and dance academy yeah, right because those two went together yes dance and occult well, that's what dario nicolodi remembers her grandmother telling her there was this yeah particular school that taught dance and had an occult 
Oh, man. So Dario was a co-writer with Dario Argento. Mm -hmm. So Daria and Dario wrote this together. Yeah. And uh, that that was a good pairing. Yeah. Good meeting of the minds. Really good. And I don't know who said, let's let's dial it back. Let's not tell too much. But, you know, maybe that's the Italian way of telling. Uh, I think telling. that's just Dario Argento's way. His movies never go out of their way to explain anything. They're just stuff happening. And you go with it. I yeah, mean, here's some stuff. Mm-hmm. You, watch, you watch his uh, like his previous mm-hmm. films, apart from Cinque Giorno. You've got like a, it's a bird with Christmas crystal plumage. And... Uh, and but like the plots get more and more nonsensical, and then Deep Red is borderline supernatural. Uh huh. And you, you know you can just feel him wanting to get rid of all that that rational stuff that's holding him back, and just dive the, into this the baggage. Yeah, yeah the baggage. Yeah. So like this one, and then Inferno is like oh, even further. Inferno makes Suspiria <laughs> seem like the most logical, yeah, concrete. Suspiria actually has setup and payoff. Uh huh. Whereas Inferno is just a total dream. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have like no main characters. People just keep dying. Yeah. Stuff is happening. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. I love Inferno. Which was 1980. You, mm-hmm. didn't, you didn't have that many years for, for Dario to say, no. you, you know what we don't need anymore in, Plot. This, in this new decade? Plot and character. Yeah, story. We don't need stories. And that? then you watch Mother of Tears and it gets it all wrong again. Oh, <laughs> you know, what the hell happened yeah. there? That's 2007. Yeah. Um, what happened between 1980 and 2007? Well, Daria left him. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that'll do it. So I think that goes to show what influence she was in this period. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. Um, I wanted to mention that um, I was at uh, Flashback Weekend three or four years ago when it was whichever year they flashback flashback (laughs) so here's the flashback to when i was at flashback um they had done the uh, phantasm reunion i think is what was happening that year yeah and um um, barbara um how is it said maniolf maniolfi i think is how she says she one who plays olga yeah she was there and I had this thing where I really didn't want to waste her time because I knew as a vendor that I needed to make money, not Mm -hmm. spend money. And I had already paid for like an autograph somewhere else. And it was like, God, Suspiria, I love that movie. (laughs) Here's that beautiful brunette woman from the movie. And I I smiled and said hi as I walked past the table. And I'm like, I just want to hang out with her. (laughs) And I want her to sign stuff for me. And I already paid someone else for an autograph. And, um, And I was thinking this isn't well attended enough to where if she traveled from Italy and I've since found out she lives in LA, but, um, uh, just scrolling through some of the pictures on, uh, IMDB, I could see that she does a lot of convention appearances, which is great because, um, Suspiria has just been this cult classic with plenty of followers and it's just going to blow up after this restoration really gets well known to be the awesome thing that it is. Mm. But uh, I saw her in person, and she was probably almost 60 at the time. She looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, maybe that's the magic of the Academy, (laughs) being in the coven. Yeah, she seems to be in on it, doesn't she? She, I think she is. Because she helps get uh, uh, Susie into the building. Oh, yeah, yeah. She she quickly uh, does away with the roommate situation Mm -hmm. to where she now needs to be in the dorm. Yeah. but yeah, Barbara looks uh, looks great. She seems really friendly. She she really welcomes her fans. 
So uh, if you see her at, a, at an appearance, just, you know, go Get see her first. Extra autograph for yeah. Richard. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you could you could see other people uh, who maybe might die soon. You you might want to, you know. My friend was like, hey, should I go get Tracy Lawrence's autograph or uh, or should I go over and uh, get the, the, the tall man from Phantasm, uh, Angus Scrim? And I said, Dean, get Angus Grimm. He's not going to be around as long as her. And he was gone within a, less than two years. So, uh, Meaning you make good on your threat. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> right, Angus? Call, huh? it, call it what it is. Tracy knows how, pay, <laughs> knows how to pay off her dad. Right. I want to put pins in the map of conventions Richard has, has attended. And, and who's died since. And who's died since. And then string the red yarn in between those things. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. Uh, Anyway, so if you if you do get to meet anybody from Suspiria, get on it, man. Don't don't. So, what film do you think Argento lost it at? Uh, I I think that uh, apart from Trincagiorno, I I love them all up to Tenebrae, and then uh, Phenomena is like. Someone should have told him no on some of these decisions. Okay, uh, they were all afraid to. And then, uh, and then, opera was really. I yeah. felt clunky, and I was like, mm, "The mojo is exiting the building here." And yeah. then uh, <laughs> afterwards, it's like, mm. "So, what? What year was opera?" Phantom of the Opera was just. Oh my god, opera was eighty-seven. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's what when we went and watched this on the big screen, the restoration. The guy who introduced mm-hmm. it was like. If you haven't seen Argento, watch, well, watch up till opera. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's like a different guy. Like Mother of Tears doesn't feel like him at all. No. Uh, Phantom of the Opera, is, uh, I, he he loves it apparently, but yeah. I thought it was just and you watched I've his, only watched it once. You watched his Dracula one even. No, I, that's oh, the only... Oh, you didn't watch it? That's the only film of his I've not seen. Oh, okay. I've seen all the others. I thought you had watched his Dracula for some reason. No, I, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing it, but I'm not going to pay. Yeah. I think it's yeah. on Shutter. We'll have to see. I think yeah. it's on one of those. Yeah. Maybe we should watch um, his let's, Dracula. Let's... Stendhal Syndrome... Like some of his later crime stuff, when he went back to Giallo, they they kind of work as entertaining like TV movies, mm. but it just feels like someone else directing them. Yeah, it's not the same. That's sad. So yeah. let's ask the question: um, What was? Do you remember the first time you saw Suspiria? Yes. Okay. When was it? How old were you? Was it Jolyon? So. <laughs> oh, really? That makes sense. Ten so, years ago. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't remember some Halloween. Yeah, we watched it, and Jean and I were blown away. Oh yeah, and she borrowed all of his the whole uh, the whole Argento catalog. <laughs> Argento from like Inferno and earlier, yeah. I think, and we copied them all. And she watched them all like back to back. She, nice. She watched them way faster than I did. I was like, oh, I need that's a great. break between Argento films, and that's all she wanted to watch was Argento. <laughs> oh God, yeah. You know, she's a bigger Argento fan than I am. Yeah, it's and good. I love Argento. I think Suspiria is probably top ten horror movies. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, for me, it's it it doesn't uh... Suspiria, Blood Rage, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Christmas Evil. Yep. Blood Rage. <laughs> twice. Because I watched it twice. It goes <laughs> right. on the list twice. Right. 
Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's like, I think there's the discovery of, of the directors or writers or writers and directors, uh, where you discover your Cronenberg. When did you see it? Um, and this, I should say, you know, my participation in this, in this, uh, episode is dedicated to Paul Larson, a friend in college who, uh, who just, we got talking about horror movies cause we both loved them so much. Um, I was dating a girl who was friends with Paul's sister, uh, who was in, you know, just a year or two younger than Paul. So they were in college at the same time. And I was in some classes with Paul, uh, eventually if I wasn't at the time, but, um, it was like, Oh, we were in the same circle of people all of a sudden. And here's somebody who, who loved the misfits and anything that anyone else wasn't listening to. And if too many people started listening to it, he was looking for something else. And, uh, and he was good at that. Uh, probably still is. Uh, he absolutely loves horror from the earliest classics through present and knows about all that stuff that's important. And he was just like, you don't know Argento stuff, man. I got, I've got it on tape. I'll loan it to you. You're going to love this. And I watched Suspiria and that was it. I was hooked. Mm-hmm. I watched all of, you know, five or six movies he had on tape. And I didn't want to give him back. No. <laughs> That's how I felt about it. And uh, it, so this would have been in the early 90s um, in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, where I was going to college. And incidentally, the apartment I was in was the back uh, corner apartment. The front opposite corner apartment is where the guy who ended up smacking Nancy Kerrigan with a, with a metal stick, uh, that guy Shane, he lived in that apartment. I knew that guy. It was so weird. Really? Yeah. My sister called me when I was living in Seattle and she goes, Hey, did you see the thing on the news about the, about the ice skater, Nancy Kerrigan getting hit with the, with the, uh, with the metal uh, rod or whatever? And I said, yeah. She goes, your neighbor. Cause my sister had visited when she was like in her mid teens or late teens. Um, your neighbor from the apartment building in Idaho. He was, he was the guy that hit her. Wow. And so everybody goes, oh yeah, the Galuli guy hit her. No, he hired this guy Shane to hit her with the, yeah. with the, uh, I think it was some sort of baton, and uh, holy crap, that's weird. So it that, was a lead pipe in the drawing room. Oh yes, it was <laughs> in, the, in the skating rink. Um, it was a sharp piece of art sculpture, right? <laughs> so uh, that was kind of a weird time. I mean. Uh, I discovered that uh, there was a crematorium about two blocks away. Uh, that employed Shane <laughs> and Jeff Galuli. <laughs> oh, geez. So, yeah, college was a weird time. I hear I, Tanya is a good film. Yeah, that's that's uh, supposedly a, a, a good telling of the story that happened. Yeah. Not like some reenactment on some real, real crime show. Oh, but, man. Yeah. Shane was a big lunk. Uh, yeah. yeah. He didn't have any, any, any workout equipment, didn't have any gym membership, but he was really muscular. So I kind of assumed he was uh, juicing, as they say. He was juicing. <laughs> he was juicing. Like oranges, clementines, yeah. lemons, a lime here and there. Stirring some steroids and jab it in your butt. <laughs> so. uh, Suspiria. <clears throat> Yeah, Anybody that's what we want to talk about it. <laughs> nah, let's talk about other stuff. So, what, what did you notice watching it in this transfer? 
how this... hairy that arm is that comes through the window. <laughs> oh, God, wow. Yes. <laughs> you know, I told I told uh, Richard this when, he, when he picked us when he picked me up to go to dinner on Friday that I had just watched it and uh, I think it looked even better on TV because you go to the movies and you expect it to look really good mm. and it did look really really good <laughs> but I think having watched it on on DVD and then watching the Blu-ray restoration just really put it over the top yeah um, projection versus however it gets yeah. delivered to a tv magic magic elves <laughs> i think yes if i remember my science yes my school elves <laughs> um i don't remember where i was going with that uh, the definition oh the oh, definition yeah. was incredible oh, and God. so yeah so like that arm comes through the window it's like wow that's a really <laughs> hairy awful you, arm you could count the hairs i just how hairy her arms were yeah <laughs> you could see the nipples poking out of their outfits <laughs> i saw dario argento's face reflected twice oh did you you know, there were so have many. Have you seen that? Um, I didn't see his face reflected, but I did see a lot of lacquered surfaces and a lot of glass surfaces mm-hmm. that I thought I should see a cameraman here any yes. minute yeah. now. Yeah, like he obviously gets right beside the lens, and and he's like, yeah. Oh, I didn't you, know. You see his face thing. twice. Oh, I'll have to, well, I'm going to rewatch this for sure. Oh yeah, like soon. Or shall I spoil it for you where he is? Oh where yeah, is go he? ahead, go ahead. Well, the. the most obvious one is when uh, she's in the plaza and she's and the uh, is it Professor Emilius mm-hmm. is telling her about witches. Yeah. Is this the, like the only daylight scene in the movie? Yeah. Okay. And then you can see her face in the the window behind them, and it, and it, it's uh, you know it's not necessarily a, a flub because you know there's there's other people in the scene and you know, there's yeah, people inside sure. inside the uh, uh, it's supposed to be a convention hall. I think it's the BMW plant in yeah. Munich. Um, which is also used in Rollerball, I believe, isn't oh, it? Wow, hmm, I don't remember. Uh, anyway, um, it's, it's like one of the ultra modern buildings yeah. of the day. And... The same font the Scorpions used for their logo was used in Rollerball. You're oh, right? yes. <laughs> Love Rollerball, by the way, my favorites. But not the Scorpions. Uh, I, I enjoy is the that Scorpions. A roller derby What's wrong film? with the Scorpions? Nothing's wrong with the Scorpions. I'm just um, joking. I actually like them. But then in the taxi ride at the start, uh, I was watching it, for, you know, I've seen this film umpteen times. Yeah. I, just, I suddenly saw, oh, is this supposed to be some kind of exorcist subliminal screaming face? Uh, so I went went back and, and paused it. And you see this like open mouth with these, these teeth glowing. But then if you, if you, you know, pause it, you can see it's like Dario and he's like, got his mouth open beside the camera and he's kind of trying to get the emotion out of the scene or whatever oh. but you can see it reflected on the glass behind the driver oh okay when, when she's like showing him uh, the uh, Escherstrasse yeah emotion she's got mm-hmm. MC Escher has his own street I want that wallpaper. There's, there's so many. Oh God! Yeah. Oh my God! I was God. admiring the wallpaper so much watching it this time. <laughs> That's <laughs> what made Gene love this movie. Can you get this? Was wallpaper? the wallpaper in this film? <laughs> oh my God! Just fantastic. What? I want that like that that birds and fish wallpaper. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. I could do a room like that. Oh yeah. yeah that Escher wallpaper is great. I love the black and white wallpaper that the, the oh, college yeah. girl has. has yeah. yeah. Oh my God! That. This is a good. This is a good place to talk about the set decoration. Mm. Like everything looked like it was made from scratch for this movie. Like yeah. I don't think these were locations at all. You've got the Escher mural and the yeah. Aubrey Beardsley 
Yeah. Things. Yeah. And there's not a normal door in the whole damn place. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think this was all set other oh, than yeah, the... Yeah, uh, yeah, they they put all the handles up higher so that the people would look smaller, more infantile. Oh, that, oh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, you know, it's all the doors they have to reach up for. Because... And I know that, like, the architecture in the place doesn't make any sense. No. No. It's an Escher building. It's a, yeah, it's a lot yeah. like the shining and the... Right. It doesn't... That, that swimming, the floor plan is that swimming pool is not in that building yeah you're like no. where's the swimming pool and how do the maggots fall out of the ceiling even though later they're up in the ceiling but mm. it doesn't seem to wait what <laughs> yeah there's yeah there's no sense to that because and i actually have that written in the margin of my notes here is that the um the maggot thing doesn't make sense at all anyway because that's not really how ceilings and and attics work uh, they wouldn't suddenly just sprout and then be raining evenly mm-hmm. through every room in the whole floor. That wouldn't, they'd start somewhere and then maybe move out uh, if they were to fall through yeah. like that. Mm. But um, why is there a box of salami in the ceiling? <laughs> uh, if that really is an attic, why mm. is it not in the storeroom off of the kitchen? doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think Argento shoehorned that in there because, or either Dario or Daria, one or the other, was like, we have to use this maggot idea. I, th- I think it's because well, the, nothing, the, the but nothing the in the movie makes sense that way. No the floor plan, I, and it kind of makes this kind of if you think uh, the whole world is supernatural and conspiring against her. Uh-huh. So she's being moved out of her apartment she wanted. So she's in the school and then she's moved out of that room so that they're all together in the hallway so that yeah. she can be just the other side of a sheet for the directoress to come along and suck out her life energy or whatever she's doing. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it kind of makes this kind of magic sense. I guess it does. I mean, it's going somewhere anyway. Yeah. It, it, it tends to. Um, yeah, this, but, you know, the building itself... Uh, the the whole set decoration it's like it, there's it's very art nouveau mm-hmm. um you know like the, the curves and the frames to everything just it's amazing and uh, i'm looking at it thinking i know they built this for this movie i know they didn't just happen to find this place mm-hmm. and repaint it and re-wallpaper it there's just no way and uh escher you know that that's no coincidence that um you know escher strasse would be escher street and yeah. you know they, they definitely rocked on down to Escher Avenue in this movie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a little sidebar. Have you ever seen Escher's work in person? Like, have you ever seen like, yeah, his Yeah, it's small, isn't it? It's small, but it is so crisp. Yeah. It's stunning that these were wooden block prints. <coughs> uh, there was a big show of his work in Seattle when I lived there. And uh, some of the um, those uh, transformation uh, birds, fish things... Mm-hmm. Um, they had one of them that just seemed like it was 20, 30 feet long. It was just like block after block mm-hmm. that was printed. Oh, wow. And it just seemed completely seamless. Yeah. Wow. And they had one of the wooden blocks that was like a, a baby sitting and, and looking at you. Um, and I didn't know about wood blocks. You know, like when you make a print, you strike the plate by, you know, putting a big X through it with whatever tool just to guarantee that there's no further editions of mm-hmm. a limited edition. This yeah. one had a big hole through it, and I thought, is that some sort of registration, multicolor registration thing? And then I'm realizing, oh, they, they just drilled a big hole in it to to discontinue the block. Yeah. Because it was like a three-color, two- or three-color block print, and uh, just amazing. And th- this is just to tell the listeners, if you ever get a chance to see Escher's work in person, it is it is amazing. 
Hmm. Very, very sharp. I don't know if he cut the blocks himself or if he just did the drawings and someone else cut them. <laughs> <laughs> the prints are just gorgeous. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this this whole <laughs> the whole facade of the building is based on another building, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's not real. No. <laughs> so nothing is as it seems in this movie. Um, and Argento wanted all the girls to be much younger than they were, yeah. which maybe explains why they moved the doorknobs up. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That, that kind of... Yeah, I think he wanted them to be younger, teenage. Yeah, like early, like preteens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, that wouldn't be too cool with some of the stuff they were doing, I guess. <laughs> so maybe it's better that they were grown women. They were Italian. It's different. Yeah, it's different. It's different. They're they give, Italian. They give them their first pack of smokes at six years old. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so, uh, what's, so what stood out the most, of course was how sharp everything was and how even more vivid the color. It didn't need to be more vivid from what you've ever seen before, but it is. It's even more vivid. And you know this because uh, Synapse Films put out the side-by-side comparison uh, split screens Yeah. from you know pre-restoration uh, to the restoration. And wow, difference. This film used to be in black and white. <laughs> it might as well have been. <laughs> That's a hand color every frame. Oh man! Like what? Whatever you what? What have you ever stuck in your eye holes that has been this dazzling? Yeah, and and the sound is way better too. I could. The sound is what got me Mm -hmm. uh, watching this because I'd seen it mm, probably about three times I think before I went and watched it on the big screen, Mm -hmm. three or four times maybe, Uh, and the sound was so incredibly crisp. And then watching it on the TV at home was like, oh, I can hear. You hear all sorts of stuff in the background mm-hmm. that you you didn't hear before. That uh, I can't think of any particular well, examples. Lots of things that Sarah uh, tells Susie is whispered. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, you can't follow half of that in previous versions. Yeah. Now right. you can hear that. Mm-hmm. You can hear the the whole dog attacking the kid out in the hallway, mm-hmm. which. You could make out before, but it wasn't yeah. as crisp and. Or, or uh, you know, or is it like the kid attacking the dogs? The the kid's uninjured. Yeah, it's true. But and, and there's odd bits of breathing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that, you know, there's no source for who's doing the breathing. Yeah. Now there there was an explanation for some of you know how this was originally made and then how it was possibly lost along the way. Um, Dominic DeLuca from Bloody Disgusting did an interview with uh, Donald May Jr., who is the Mm -hmm. um, Synapse Films guy who spearheaded this whole thing and and saw it through. Um, And one of the questions he said was explain how the sound was restored to adapt to modern speaker systems. And uh, Donald May Jr. said, in 1977, there really wasn't uh, anything like 5.1 or 7.1 surround that is so prominent today. For a select few English language prints, Back in 77, Suspiria was mixed in a discrete 4.0 surround sound, which means that there were separate left, center, right, and surround channels for the audio. Most 35mm theatrical prints in that era were presented with an optical soundtrack, but some prints of Suspiria actually contained all four channels of magnetic striped sound on the print. Not all projectors of that era could play this kind of print, so distribution was limited. So the negative that they were working from um, which apparently was not well stored and not well handled, um, did have all four tracks 
of magnetic stripes on it. Oh. So they were able to scan those in um, uh, and restore them completely. So that's why in a scene where there are girls talking on the left and on the right, and the one sitting in the middle is playing with her scissors, you can hear the scissors as a separate sound okay. in the center. Uh, so uh, they really did a lot of hard work for four straight years to get this thing done. Damn. And uh, <clears throat> Donald May Jr. said that there were fingerprints in the negative. And it's like, somebody wasn't wearing gloves? How dare they? You know, like, that's just, that's common practice when you're handling film is to wear the white Mickey Mouse looking gloves. And obviously somebody wasn't. Where's your pinky go? Yeah. You got only three fingers on those Mickey Mouse gloves. <laughs> <laughs> you just double it up with your ring finger. Uh, so, so that is, uh, so that is something that, you know, some restorations, uh, there aren't the resources. And luckily this had all the resources that, although damaged, could be repaired. Yeah. And I don't know, like if there's any artifacts or weirdness that pops up, but I didn't see it. Yeah. It was one of the two shots with her and Joan Bennett in her room. It looked a little soft, but that was all I could see. Yeah. Everything, yeah. everything else looked perfect. Yeah. And, uh, as the story goes, um, does it matter? Like if if all of a sudden uh, she escapes, the end it d- didn't bother me. I don't know why. Normally that would piss me off in a movie. Well, I mean, you you'd only get the wrap up with the detectives reappearing and going, you know, yeah, and, and you know, like the end of Psycho or something, and some. Well, here's what happened her, here. Her being absorbed back into the rational world, but this one just leaves you with her smiling and yeah leaving the scene yeah and and that's okay like in in this movie you you don't want other than that you don't want Mm -hmm. more than that you know she got out of there and you're glad she did but uh although she forfeits her tuition (laughs) yeah you know that's not refundable no it's not it doesn't matter the school burnt down you didn't finish so no i like uh, in that little feature that they talk about uh the fear on jessica harper's face yeah when the school's falling apart and they're like well having been on some italian films safety's not <laughs> issue number one so i'm sure stuff was really hitting her as it was falling off the walls so <laughs> so you want to create the look of fear yeah <laughs> do something frightening <laughs> like collapse the set around your actress <laughs> Yeah, it's like one of the distressing things about uh, uh, Sarah's death is like she had to jump into that pit of wire. Yeah. And you know that's going to hurt. Yeah. She must have been so bruised and scratched. Oh, yeah. It was supposed to be razor wire or yeah. something, wasn't it? Yeah, it's supposed to be razor wire. And that was one unfortunate thing is now you can tell that it's just coils of wire. But still. Whereas before it looked like, I mean, it wasn't as clear. Right. You didn't know what was happening. So you just thought, oh, it's razor wire. What, for some fools filled the room with razor wire? Yeah. Why would someone do that? Well, you got to put it somewhere, I guess. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to leave it in the kitchen. You know, that's dangerous. Um, Yeah, the the aesthetics are are really what kind of... uh, make everything work you know you no matter where you go or what's happening in the movie you've got that vivid color and you've got you know whether something nonsensical is happening or something mundane is happening you've got 
you know, this brilliant set and, and these vivid colors. So I'm, I'm pretty glad to, to see that, um, you know, that was not wasted, that uh, it, it in fact was, uh, was made to be even more prominent in the restoration. Yeah. Like some movies, it's like, oh, you get this great stuff that happens in some scenes, and then there's other scenes where... But this, it, it pulls kind of the whole thing into uh, being more of a um, unified piece. Unifying elements, color, and set design. And crazy crap going on. Mm-hmm. Crazy crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Will, you want to talk about the dog? Oh, yes. And now it's obviously a puppet attacking the guy. Was it Triumph the comic insult dog? Yes. Only this one's very plushy. Yeah. It's unfortunate that you can now see things like that. I didn't think he looked too bad. But one of the things about that scene, when he crosses the street into the Konigsplatz, Mm -hmm. there's a couple of people in this car that's pulled up at the lights, and... As he crosses the street and the lights change, but they still don't move. They're still like looking at him. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's accidental or if there are, you know, it implies that there's people out in the world who are part of the conspiracy. Part of the witch group. But um, the other thing I thought was, uh, if this was 2007 Argento, you'd see that stone phoenix done as a crappy CG mm. thing rather than imp- implying it with the camera swooping down on him yeah which is really effective yeah yeah it would just be so silly if he showed it yeah no it would not work so uh yeah it's unfortunate about cg yeah you can show it so you can show it so you do whereas Mm -hmm. you don't always have to or you probably shouldn't yeah and it never it either looks too real or not real enough it's never just right yeah they can do it just right can't they i mean king kong i think you just you always know that that's not a real thing yeah but i mean peter jackson's king kong doesn't ever look fake to me maybe i need to rewatch it but everything he looks really good yeah but he doesn't look like uh like what's that Tom Hanks on a train in winter. What's the name of that Polar one? Polar Express. Polar Express. Yeah, like a lot of crap that's out there just looks like Polar Express when it's trying to be real. But yeah, yeah, it just looks like Polar Express. I don't know. Um, like when we watched uh, Witching and Bitching, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the CG stuff in that. Fine, you don't expect yeah. it to be real. You just excuse it. Yeah. But sometimes they try and put in like smoke or fire, like in uh, the 2017 It. You know, when the kid in the basement of the library who's missing his head. Yeah. The smoke doesn't look real. Yeah. And it's like, just film some smoke. <laughs> Mat that in. Can't you do that? No, we're going to use digital smoke. I thought the fake bat in Suspiria was better than anything <laughs> than it. <laughs> as I mentioned before, you know. <laughs> the fake bat. Yeah. Never mind Pennywise. We got a fake bat. It was like uh, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad I mentioned earlier was yeah uh to have the dragon breathing fire you know so today they you could just cg it but back yeah. then they got a guy with a flamethrower at night and they just like filmed it against black sky oh okay and then uh composited it in 
Yeah. Yeah. It looks fine. Yeah, yeah it works. Looks great. You know, you you you're watching actual flame. You know, you you know it's like a special effect, but you're, yeah. you're watching actual flame. Yeah, um, flames, smoke, and blood splatter just don't look real in CG. They haven't perfected hardly any no. of that stuff. I don't know why. It's so hard to do. I don't know why. I mean, I know why you don't use blood splatter anymore, but it's because <laughs> it's tough to clean up. But Yeah, no one wants to clean that up. Just um, do it, movie. <laughs> oh, there was a, uh, a note I had here that... Uh, that the the original U.S. release of Suspiria was was trimmed for an R rating, and they took a lot of the graphic violence out of it, mm-hmm. most of which is, you know, you you see worse stuff tame. on TV. That's yeah, tame God, by it's today's so tame. standard. I saw worse stuff on Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the things that made him legendary in, in the UK because like, you just couldn't, you couldn't see, see his see films. His stuff, yeah. Suspiria, it, you you could only see it like uh, cropped cut um but you, you still saw that there's something extraordinary there so like yeah. all the horror hounds are like oh I've, i found this videotape from holland or something and it you know it's, it's got a couple more minutes in it so you, oh man you look for that copy and yeah oh man and usually it's stuff that it, it, it's not bad that it's missing if you don't know it's missing and then once you know it's missing you have to see it yes then once you see it it's like oh it was just more of the same stuff it wasn't that bad. No. <laughs> Most of those missing minutes aren't crucial. They're just to please some prudes like yeah. the MPAA. Well, you know, it's a spirit. It, it counts because, like, uh, one, one of the things that was cut was where uh, in, the, in the initial double killing. Uh-huh. Uh, the heart? She, yeah, she gets stabbed in the heart. Yeah. And you couldn't see that for a long time yeah. in the UK. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, you watch it complete and, you know, it, it starts... It, you see her get stabbed and you think, oh, that's it. She's dead. In any previous horror movie, she'd be, that'd be the last you saw her. Yeah. But then it keeps coming back and back and back to her and she keeps getting stabbed and then you get this like open heart thing. <laughs> it's like, what? And then she gets hung. This is going, this is going really far. And then, and then yeah, she like got this massive stained glass ceiling and yeah. the wire and the, her friend underneath it. And it's like, wow, this is going way beyond anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing kill. And you look at the fact that this is 1977. It's not just like, oh yeah, this is post, you know, all the slashers you know or whatever. Mm-hmm. This this is like, what did you see before this? Stuff in like The Exorcist and The Omen. Uh, what year was The Omen? 76. 70, yeah, 76. 76, so yeah. You that, do have a decapitation with a big piece of glass. Yeah. yeah. That's probably the most shocking scene in the Omen. Right. So you you've had some stuff before this, mm-hmm. but this this you know, is yeah no this steps is beyond like definite yeah. Italian cinema pushing the limit on horror. Yeah, as they did for quite a while. This is where you went when you were a real gore hound. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was Italian films, you know. Yeah, and I think I mentioned in a previous episode that you know. This was legendary stuff. You would read about Argento. Mm-hmm. You there'd be mentions of him in in interviews, or you'd see still photos of things in like Fangoria, but it wasn't readily accessible to, you know, most people who weren't in major cities. You, yeah, no, I didn't see any Argento. Yeah, if you were in a small town or a medium-sized town or whatever, and you had a a few video stores, most of them didn't have Argento stuff. No. 
You are out of luck. Then you meet Paul Larson <laughs> <laughs> or someone like him. Yeah. And uh, that, that was, you know, that, that was the good thing about college. You know, you got to go outside of uh, your known world and, and into, uh, you know, other people and their influences and their resources make it into your world. And, you, you know, you broaden your horizons, which uh, any listener who hopefully ran out and watched Suspiria and they're listening to this now, uh, welcome to our world. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we live. Um. Have we covered it pretty well, you feel like? Do we even talk about Suspiria? A bit. We, we did about 35 minutes of other stuff. And then Suspiria. <laughs> some Suspiria. Yeah, we threw some in for you. Um, but yeah, we covered it, I think. Uh, so next time, uh, Argento's Dracula? Sure. Andy Warhol's Frankenstein? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. I should check it out. You say that like I'm not going to say whether it's good or not. I I wouldn't say good. I wouldn't say good. (laughs) I've not not seen Frankenstein. We don't use the G word around Warhol's Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Paul Morrissey, like Dracula and Frankenstein movies are pretty. Yeah. Yeah. They're midnight movies, you know, they're not. They're not good or watchable. Yeah, you can't say they're good or bad. They're just like. They're just there. This is, this is something else. (laughs) Yeah. They occupy space and time, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, they, they do their own thing. I'll take that as a caution. Um, so for the new year, what, if, if you got to figure it out, what are you watching tomorrow morning? Uh, I don't know. Um, or this morning, as our early listeners will be hearing. I don't know. Might break out one of my Christmas gifts and yeah. watch that. Cool. So we've covered Suspiria pretty well for as much as we're going to. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, so one day I'll watch the extras and then we can talk about it some more. Sure, well, you know, that could be a, another conversation in another episode for sure. Um, but listeners, if you haven't purchased this, the Steelbook is probably sold out. And if they're doing another printing of the Steelbook version, fine. Buy the Just buy the 4K restoration as, as a yeah, the, Blu-ray. the standard edition hasn't been announced yet. No? So that'll be somewhere down the line oh i thought it was going to be like maybe weeks behind it or a month behind it uh so you've got like i think you've got the first printing and then there's another one that's coming out okay pretty soon which is like 70 bucks right yeah. now yeah uh and then at some point in the future like they did with phenomena and okay it'll be a standard edition great yeah this one is yeah if, if they're still available buy one there it's totally worth your money we don't get any. Don't, yeah, but. don't buy three or four other things. Just buy this one thing. I know it's more expensive, but it's totally worth it. All right. Shall we wrap it up? Wrap it up. Well, Happy New Year, listeners. And stay off the moors.